You're listening to Blind Entrepreneurship, an interview series podcast that highlights the stories of the top business professionals around the world. In each episode, we explore how entrepreneurs overcame blindness in business in order to execute their vision. This podcast is brought to you by Penji. I'm your host, Jonathan Grzbowski, and today we have Megan Grasso on the show. She's the founder and CEO of Yellowberry, a bra, underwear, lounge, and activewear company for girls ages between 8 and 14. Megan grew up on a ranch in Pinedale, Wyoming, and later in Jackson as a, as a competitive ski racer. She founded Yellowberry when she was 17 years old as a junior in high school and is revolutionizing the bra industry for young girls from Wyoming and as you later hear in the conversations, the entire world. I, when I do research on people, I go to the darkest and deepest parts of the web. And although I found a ton of information that wasn't even discussed in this episode, there was a consistent theme that was brought up in a lot of the interviews that Megan was in. And a lot of them surrounded her gender and her age. And I don't typically even bring that up in conversations for the most part. In fact, I actually hate that type of stuff. Uh, I don't think we should be defined as novelty things as age, gender, and ethnicity, etc. But you know, here we are talking about those exact topics. And I did ask those types of questions, believe it or not, and even you know, uh, related to age and also gender. Um, but I'm really, really glad that we did because we were able to gain insights on what it's like to start a business if you are a young professional and the trials and tribulations that you have to overcome in order to to potentially manage people who are older than you. The answers that were given were absolutely inspirational and Megan is an incredibly strong young woman and managing those who are older than her and telling a story that allows her to make an impact on not only business but the entire world again is also inspirational. Her brand is incredible, and one of my favorite parts of the conversation is when we talked about the um, the particular uniqueness of the brand and, and how it's being imaged and how a lot of our competitors are now stealing that ideology. So one of the most unique and, and I think fun persons that I've interviewed today, and uh, let's get right to it. Today's episode is sponsored by Penji. Are you in charge of marketing for your business and need graphic design support? Let Penji design anything you need for your business, from a logo to your marketing materials, sales sheets, social media content, and so much more. Penji helps you achieve more with unlimited graphic design support, daily output, and a dedicated project manager, all at one flat monthly rate. We have an exclusive offer to the Blind Entrepreneur community. Head over to Penji.co and use the coupon code BLIND for 15% off your first month. Again, that's Penji.co. P-E-N-J-I dot C-O and use the coupon code BLIND for 15% off your first month of pension. And now, let's get to today's episode. In three. John, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Jonathan. I'm looking oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it too. Now, I always start the podcast off with a question of, is it true? And is it true that we randomly met at a random bar 
in random Kansas City, Missouri. <laughs> now, do listeners have to guess if this is like true or false or not? But uh, it is true. I'll let them off the hook. We did run into each other randomly, and we'd already had this uh, scheduled. And uh, that's you know it's so fun. You you the, the whole virtual world we live in today. I, I do podcasts. I have a podcast myself, and I do interviews with people. Uh, remotely and never really get to see them face to face. And so it's, it's always uh, because we can do that. Right. Uh, but so it's always fun to, to bump into somebody in real life. Yeah, absolutely. It was really cool experience because I was talking to um, my girlfriend who lives in Kansas city, Missouri, and I live on the East coast. And uh, I was like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm interviewing this guy named John told her your whole backstory. Um, and I'm doing it about next week. It'd be really interesting if, he was actually here. I've always wanted to grab coffee with him while I'm in Kansas City. And here you are, we stumble into each other to a bar I've never been to yeah. in my entire life. And she's never been to. So I just thought I was like, you know, worlds collide. This podcast is meant to happen for yeah, sure. Absolutely. I've never been, I had never been to that bar either. So <laughs> there you go. It was meant, meant to be. be. So the, the podcast episode is about practical small business marketing uh, strategies, tips, et cetera. And you have a new book that's coming out. Um, and I think what's really interesting about the book is the fact that you have all these like different entries for the day. Yeah. I'd love for you to kind of set up the, the book a little bit and uh, as much as you possibly can. So go right ahead. Yeah, so so we're going to talk about small business marketing tips, but uh, because that's something I've been writing about and and doing uh, practically for uh, almost three decades. And uh, this uh, book that you mentioned is called The Self Reliant Entrepreneur. It's actually my sixth book, and it's not about marketing. <laughs> so mm -hmm. it's a really different book for me, um, and it's something that I wanted to write. Uh, in, a, in a lot of ways to just kind of share, I'll be honest, I'm sharing my beliefs about, you know, what it takes to be a self-reliant entrepreneur. Uh, but I actually also went back and, and tapped into a vein of very rich American literature, uh, period in the mid 19th century. So around 1850 uh, was a really unique time in America. It is kind of uh, looked at as, as one of the first counterculture periods uh, in the in the life of the United States. Uh, if you think about what was going on at the time, there was a huge political and cultural divide. We were on the cusp of the uh, Civil War. We were trying to abolish slavery. It was really the start of the women's movement. There was a lot of upheaval around religious reform kind of for the first time. And so a lot of the writing that was done in that period, and, and frankly, it's writing that we were all asked to read in high school and college, Ralph Waldo Emerson, uh, Herman Melville, Edgar Allan Poe, Nathaniel Hawthorne, Margaret Fuller, um, Louisa May Alcott, you know, all, all books that we were asked to read. So much of the, the, the essays and the writing was, I think, absolutely spot on for entrepreneurs. And a lot of it was around this idea of you have to trust yourself, you have to be self-reliant, you have to excuse me, you have to go your own path and not just rely on what others think you should do or what the norms are. Um, and I think that is just tremendous advice for entrepreneurs. And so I've taken um, that period of writing and I've, I've sourced a, you know, about 300 different uh, essays and letters and, and novels. And I take a little chunk of something that I think is an amazing kind of quote or lesson for the day. And then I share my thoughts on it, 100, 150 words, and then I leave you every day with a question that hopefully is a, 
a bit of a centering uh, question for the day for you to think about. And the premise of the book is that, you know, this book isn't going to teach you how to do anything. It's going to teach you hopefully why to do anything. And, and really that why is about making a better you. And, and I, I contend that a better you makes a better business. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, I think that's probably the hardest part. Is, yep. uh, is the why. I mean, yeah. a lot of people read books and a lot of people read articles online to find out that silver bullet. Yeah. And at least for me, and I'm, I'll speak from my own personal opinion here. Um, I realized that out of all the articles that I've ever read, not one of them has ever given me an advantage. Um, hmm. I'd say more so books in particular um, and, and an experience has been that thing that has allowed me personally to be able to understand who I am as a person and what I need to do in order to make the business succeed. Um, so this book is absolutely amazing and spot on. I, I, I believe that you, um, if you, if you could, if you, if you had any uh, uh, words within the book that kind of meant uh, that was relatively important, I, we'd love to be able to hear that as we start the interview and we can kind of cater that theme that you have based off of the, the quote for the day. You bet. And then we can kind of just uh, grow from there based off of whatever that quote is. Yeah. So what I, I think I'll do is uh, you and I are, are recording this on September 13th. I don't know when people will end up listening to it uh, over the months and years, but this is September 13th, 2019. And so I think I'll just read September 13th right. entry for the book. So it starts out with a title, then the, uh, the, the reading uh, from, uh, um, from the literature and then, you know, my a bit, and then the challenge question. So it takes about two minutes. So here we go. Today's entry is true potential. Every person at times in their mind, wait, I'll start over again. Every, <laughs> every person has at times in their mind, the ideal of what they should be, but are not. This ideal may be high and complete, or it may be quite low and insufficient. Yet in all that really seek to improve, it is better than the actual character. Perhaps no one is satisfied with themselves so that they never wish to be wiser, better, and more holy. No one ever falls so low that they can see nothing higher than themselves. This is from Theodore Parker, a new lesson for the day, uh, 1856. Theodore Parker was a, a, a preacher, uh, by the way. So uh, this was probably came out of a sermon or something from him. Uh, but I think... Uh, uh, in terms of my uh, take on it, what is the measure of one's true potential? Potential. Now there's a word charged with emotion. Oh, and it's easy to know our potential because plenty of people have opinions about what ours or our lack of it is. But you already know who the biggest critic of your potential is, don't you? It's you. Or more appropriately, it's limited mindset about your potential. You are limitless. We all are. If we allow it, nobody said it was going to be easy, but it might be worth the effort. Consider this idea about a mindset from Carol Dweck's book, Mindset, The New Psychology of Success. When people change to a growth mindset, they change from a judge and be judged framework to a learn and help learn framework. Mm. Are you operating from a judge and be judged framework? Don't waste the energy it takes to beat yourself up because you think you're not living up to your full potential right now. Don't wish things were different. See them for what they are and resolve to learn from them. Stop judging others and you might find you ease up on judging yourself. Hmm. So your challenge question for today, 
Can you think of a moment of joyfulness from the past week or so? What was it? Why did it happen? Hmm. That's very powerful. Thank you so much, John. I really appreciate that. You bet. And it gives you, it gives you a, a, a great sense of how in-depth and how real the book is because you're asking real, real questions that I'm sure a lot of people think about, but do they actually spend the time to consider answering the questions for themselves? And, yeah, and, and, and really the daily format, you know, my hope is that, um, because this is, this is a practice, like a lot of things, it's meant mm -hmm. to be a habit. I mean, you're not going to, you're not going to read through this book, you know, cover to cover and go, okay, I got it. You know, I mean, this is something that you hopefully just gives you a daily prompt so that you can go to work on yourself uh, daily. Absolutely. I, I actually want to break that down a little bit, if that's okay with you. Um, the idea of comparing, well, judge, you said judged or be judged. Yeah, yeah. And the idea of just constantly judging others and judging yourself, et cetera. Do you feel as if that, what are your overall thoughts in comparing yourselves to others? Because in a world of social media, I'll just give a quick background. In a, in a world of social media, we're constantly... Uh, there are entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs that are taking pictures of themselves with nice cars and uh, <laughs> lavish things and money and dollar bills spread or hundreds of dollar bills spread throughout the, the entire apartment to just show how much they, they quote unquote make. And that idea of comparing yourself to others is incredibly detrimental. So I'd love to hear just your overall opinion and thoughts on yourself when uh, you see somebody else that may have a little bit more success than you do. Yeah, there's no question that that's, you know, that's, that's a, a symptom, I suppose, that's been with us, you know, for, for uh, forever, but there's no question the, the social media amplification has made it, you know, really, really rough. And, and I think that, you know, part of the, so, so it is a real, you know, it is a real challenge. And, and I think it's something that, you know, there's even, you know, people are even documenting that, you know, people are, you know, depression is being caused by, you know, people seeing that, you know, other people's lives are, you know, so much better than your own. I think, I think a couple of things you need to think is, first of all, they're not, <laughs> you know, a lot of, um, you know, a lot of what we do is we beat ourselves up because we don't think we're enough. We don't think we've given enough and accomplished enough. But also the, the, the reality is a lot of what people are showing, um, you know, that's a rented Tesla. Um, that is, you know, I mean, there's, there's a lot of just BS in that too. And so I think you have to uh, unplug from a lot of that BS, quite frankly. And the first, you know, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of books out there and, and a lot of people preaching this idea of you've got to find your purpose and, and you have to, you know, really stick to your purpose. And, you know, I believe that you're never going to find your purpose unless you start to trust yourself. Mm -hmm. um, and, and when you begin to stop letting other people control who you are and what you do, and you stop trying to control the outcome of everything that happens in your life and in your business, you're going to find purpose or, or frankly, it's going to find you. Um, and I think that, that until we get to that stage where we start to, you know, believe that we have enough, believe that we are enough right now, believe that, you know, what we want to do, regardless of what other people are doing or what other people are saying we should do. Um, our only job is to, to find our truth. Yeah, absolutely. And incredibly powerful. I, I, I think, you know, I think if we could give a timeline, right? Finding the truth. Because <laughs> when I first started uh, business, I, again, I'll speak for my myself here. Um, I was a very young age. I was like 23. And now I'm 30. And 
I think it probably took yeah, me seven year old, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm aging, but, but I, it probably took me seven years to understand what my purpose is. Yeah. And I'd be curious to hear from your perspective, like when is it, like, when do you think you've, you found it? Like, how do you find it? Like, what is, what is that? How do you do it? Well, you don't, you don't sit in a room and decide what it is. You don't exactly. look at what other people are doing and say, you know, there's a lot, I, I mean, not to knock Simon Sinek, but you know, he's uh, the, the, you know, start with a Y uh, is, is his work and is hugely, hugely popular. And unfortunately I think a lot of people interpret that as we need to find a good Y, <laughs> you know, we, we need to find something that sounds great on a, on a business card and that, you know, we can put out there. And I think that unfortunately, clearly that, clearly that, you know, you're going to miss the mark there. Um, you, you find your purpose, I think, as, as I think maybe you've started to experience by going and searching for it. But the real key is you have to be open to what it is because it's truly going to find you. Um, you and and it's going to find you because you're living who you are and you're living you know your values. I mean, a lot of people put out these great you know this is our purpose statement and our mission statement, uh, but but then they don't back it with their values on a day to day basis. And I think the only way to really live your purpose is that when you you know you go into meetings, when you make business decisions, when you get up in the morning, you know you you're checking in with hey here are my core values. Here's what I believe. Here's what I want to accomplish. Here's the impact I want to have uh, in my life. You, you may not have all the answers to those, but I think that, that, you know, as you go out and live your day to day, um, it's going to show up by your acts and not by necessarily your words or your plaque on the wall. I mean, you, it, it, it boils down to self-assessment, right? And, and all, all day long. Yeah. Yeah. And, and examination of that. I mean, and, and accountability too. Um, what are some ways that maybe you hold yourself accountable? Sure. So um, a lot of the works that I've um, draw from in this book are, um, you know, Walden, uh, Thoreau, you know, Emerson, uh, a lot of those writers at the, at the time were actually, you know, it's really, it's become really kind of um, popular these days to talk about morning routines and things uh, that, that you have to do to get yourself centered and ready for the day. And, and, you know, they were actually, uh, it was so fun when I'd go back and read a lot of these works. I was like, how was this written 150 years ago? Cause we're, we're talking about this stuff today. Um, and so, you know, Thoreau particularly, you know, was a, was a big fan of solitude and of, of meditation and of nature, you know, using nature as a, as a guide to, you know, show you how to, uh, how to let go and, and, and just be who you are. Um, so for me, a lot of those, you know, same practices, I, I try to have some moments of every morning where I'm uh, thinking, writing, meditating. Um, I do my best to uh, do some form of, of physical exercise, even if it's just a, a walk in the woods, you and I were talking when I'm, uh, we were off the air, I'm, I'm, you know, spend a great deal of time in the mountains um, which makes it really easy for me to get out into nature. Um, but, uh, you know, that, uh, th those elements that I think most people would agree are, are tremendous ways to, to give yourself, you know, the energy and the space to think 
uh, and the time to reflect and the time to kind of witness your thoughts. Um, those, those practices, which again, many people kind of put as standard practices today were practices that were really revolutionary, you know, about 150 years ago. And, and really, I, I think we owe, uh, some of those writers from that period, a, a, a real, you know, tribute. Uh, and, and that's yeah. why I've really brought a lot of this back because, and I don't want to go down a political rabbit hole by any sense, but if you think about the time period that I mentioned, this kind of counterculture period, well, you had a lot of political and cultural divide. You had uh, a women's movement. Uh, you had a lot of people th that were committing, you know, atrocities against uh, people of color and of people that were, you know, trying to, um, pray and, and have their religion in their way. And if you, you know, those, those ideas could have been ripped from the headlines in the New York times today. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, I, and I really think that, um, and there's a lot of uh, history and research around this idea that, that we cycle, you know, about every fourth generation, we cycle through these kind of ups and down uh, times and that, that, you know, we're at a time period that maybe was very similar to uh, that, uh, um, you know, 1850s, you know, time period when, when you know, that, that led to the Civil War. And I'm not saying that we are at a point where we're going to have a civil war, although there is a bit of an uncivil war going on. Yeah. Um, and I really think this idea of self-reliance, I think, you know, and, and I'm going to, I'm probably going to turn all your listeners off with this one, but mm -hmm. I think a self-reliance individual a self-reliant entrepreneur is really our way back to a, a more united um, people in a lot of ways. Uh, because, you know, if you think about the, the ideas of self-reliance are that you not only trust yourself, you, you know, you stop being influenced by whatever the party says or the government says um, you actually have a self-reliant entrepreneur actually has a great deal of empathy for other people's thoughts because you know, one of the only ways we're going to grow is to occasionally prove ourselves wrong, you know, and find out that, that our opinion or our approach or our thoughts, you know, we can change them and that's okay. Um, but we're not going to change them unless we're open to other ideas. If we're open to growing every single day, if we're open to the fact that we're really all probably connected in some fashion, you know, as, as humans on this planet. Um, and I think that that kind of thinking is, is really what it's going to take maybe for us to, uh, uh, you know, the next generation, um, to, to really turn things around. I, I, yeah. you know, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, at the tail end of what people call the baby boomers. And, you know, I think that uh, I've been uh, paying a lot of attention to a lot of the what, what people are calling Gen Z. And, you know, I'll call them kids now because, you know, <laughs> I can. Um, and, you know, a lot of those folks, you, you just hear their opinions and their views about, you know, they don't just want to be at the table. I heard actually once say, I want to flip the freaking table over. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that that's, I think that, that, you know, that's, if we want to call it a movement, um, I'll call it a movement. I think this idea of uh, the, at least the principles of self-reliance um, are a movement that we need today. Yeah. Oh, I mean, amen to that. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and I think the, the, the philosophies that you, that you're saying are, are very, uh, very much so needed when, while you're explaining um, what you just said, something that kind of popped in my head is, the idea of a self-reliant entrepreneur, right, is very singular focused. But at the same time, there needs to be a larger, greater good, which in most cases could be you managing a team. Um, yeah. 
do you feel as if that the self-reliant entrepreneur is just as much for yourself as it is for those around you? Oh, there's no, there's no question. I mean, the, the, um, I've broken the book actually up into what I call, I mean, because it's an annual um, book, I've broken it up into seasons, you know, to kind of carry the metaphor across. And I think that there are seasons to how somebody grows into being a fully self-reliant entrepreneur. Um, and, you know, we typically kind of start off with this, this planning season, which is really, that's where you have to develop this self-trust. Um, the, the next phase or the next season is what I call discovering. And that's really, once you develop that self-trust um, and self-awareness, all of a sudden, I think you can start discover, you know, discovering what your purpose and your passion is. Uh, the third season I call evolving. Um, and that's when you start to experience what success means really to you. I mean, before you kind of think of what it means, <laughs> once you start uh, evolving, you understand that, you know, it means resilience and it means congruence and it means uh, commitment. Um, it means showing up, you know, again, it means understanding what failure is there to teach you. Uh, and then the final phase I, I call growing because ultimately that's, you move through those other three phases, you know, that's the point where you have, um, you have the ability to define the impact that you want to have on the world, uh, the, the, you know, you're, you're okay with change. In fact, you're looking for change. You're looking for ways to be more graceful. Um, and I think that, that that's the point at which the self-reliant entrepreneur really has a tremendous amount to offer the world. Yeah. I, I did a talk not that long ago and I compared the goals and the dreams that I had at a very early stage of entrepreneurship to the goals that I have now. And a large majority of the goals that I once had were very silly, like buy a Lamborghini, because I assumed <laughs> that's how easy entrepreneurship yeah. was. Yeah. And now it's very much so internal about my happiness. So yeah. I'd like to ask you what your definition of success means and how is it defined? Yeah. Well, I, I too, you know, uh, have changed, you know, greatly uh, in that and those have evolved. And frankly, I've, I've been on a lifelong kind of journey. I mean, a lot of the things that I express in this book are things I've been working on for a long, long time. Um, mm -hmm. But one, one of the things that was really interesting is, you know, a lot of times uh, people write books and, and the reader gets to experience that book you know, for themselves. Uh, but one of the things that, that I think is true of a lot of authors is I was so in depth studying this work. I mean, I read, you know, like I was studying for a PhD you know, thesis or something, uh, this work. And I feel like I personally grew more over the last year uh, than I have in a, in, a, in a decade because I was mm. so focused on this and, and practicing it and thinking about it and, and writing it. Um, and so it's, it's that, that aspect's been a great uh, journey for me. But in terms of your, your original question, you know, one of the things that uh, uh, where I am on, on this idea of success is that, that you are fully in control of your life. You get to make the decisions that are right for you, um, that are based on, on what it is that you want to do. And it, and it mostly comes down, to, quite frankly, to being really, really happy with what you have and where you are right now. Yeah, that's great. That's, that's, that's awesome. I, 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 you know, going, listening and, and seeing the book and hearing the passages and the theme, the themes and the seasons, and you even hinted at it that you've learned so much 
in researching this book. I'd like to hear how much research was actually done. And then most, more importantly for me in my ADHD brain, <laughs> how did you organize all of this? Because there had to have been some level yeah. of just crazy systems and processes yeah. that I'd love to dive into. I don't know if they were crazy, but there's no question. It did involve a little bit of thinking ahead of time um, on how to organize it. So to break it down, um, uh, the very first thing I did is I just got everything. This um, period of writing um, is often referred to as in two different ways. A lot of people refer to many of the writers that I sourced as transcendentalists. Um, And it's kind of a fancy sounding uh, name. It wasn't a religious movement or anything, but they certainly kind of had some some very set ideas about you know how we should live. Um, and then uh, um, a lot of the writers fit also into a, a period that people called American Romanticism. So you know authors like Poe and Melville and Twain uh, were not considered transcendentalists, but but certainly fit in that time frame. And and a lot of their protagonists, in fact, I think were very self reliant. Um, uh, you know Tom Sawyer and uh, Huckleberry Finn, for example, were very self reliant. Um, but uh, so, so the first thing I did was really just read everything on the period and the history and, and, the, and the authors. And, and so, uh, quite frankly, the, you know, my, my first job was to figure out what, what authors I wanted to source and what, um, you know, what books in some cases. And some were pretty obvious, but once I started digging in, a lot of these authors um, at the time, and I don't think people do this so much anymore today, um, but a lot of these authors wrote letters. Um, uh, back and forth to each other, right? And and people would save these letters. And um, so a lot of these um, works, actually, you know, their letters actually turned into works. I mean, can you imagine that today? Like, let's take John's emails um, and turn them into a book. But, uh, but that the worst, was common. For me, it'd be the worst book ever. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so there were tons of nuggets in, in like their personal journals and letters and things that, that never, well, I shouldn't say never, but they weren't commonly, you know, put into a book that people were familiar with. So that was, that was kind of job one, you know, was to just kind of get my arms around. Once I had decided that was the, the path I was going to take, get my arms around just the scope of the literature. So that was the first thing. And then it was really to start digging into and just reading a ton. I mean, I, I you know, I don't know if you know how a traditional book is, is published still today, but um, I actually, um, I had been re- researching the topic for about six months before I uh, wrote my proposal, book proposal, uh, submitted my book proposal last July. Um, maybe it was later than that. It was probably about September, um, signed a contract in October, um, and then spent the next six months actually writing the book. Um, and so turned to the manuscript in, uh, in June of 2019 and, uh, the book will be published in October of, uh, 2019. So about a year, which is actually, believe it or not, kind of a short window, <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. for how traditional books are published. But, uh, there's no question this is book that will be a on everyone's holiday gift list. Um, so, so we, we really wanted to put it out in the fall. And, and so that was kind of the timeline. Now, I'm sorry, this is such a long answer, but uh, you, it was a multi-part question. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so now in terms of how do I organize it? Um, one of the things that I did, I alluded to the seasons um, uh, or the, uh, yeah, the seasons. And so, um, I started by organizing the seasons and then uh, each season I gave a theme or I'm sorry, each month in the season I gave a theme. So if you think about uh, 
um, you know, the first season of the year, you know, January, February, March, um, I gave it uh, trust, creativity, and freedom. And so with that kind of framework for, and, and, and I, I outline all of this in the, in the introduction, but with that kind of framework, I, I had a theme every month. Um, so that helped me kind of organize when I found a reading that I wanted to use that kind of helped me or, or, or I even went out looking for, because I, you know, I needed 31 entries for January. So I went out looking for, um, readings around those themes. So I didn't just, I didn't just pick up a book with a highlighter and, you know, it just started saying, Oh, that'd be a good thing. Um, I went out looking for a lot of it uh, based on those themes. And then in terms of the system for doing it, you know, good old Google sheets. Um, I, you know, just, I set up my months and then uh, when I did find uh, a reading um, and that was actually the first step, we, we assembled about probably 450 readings. Um, so that little thing that I read today from Theodore Parker, you know, that was just a box on a spreadsheet. Um, and, and we did, you know, more than, uh, more than we needed for each month. Um, just because uh, I knew there would be, you know, I'd get, I'd get into the writing and, you know, something wouldn't make sense or I would have written about that exact thing already or something. So we had a th you know, some throwaways. Um, and then, um, and then literally, um, I'm not sure this was the right way to do it. I started on January 1st <laughs> and, and wrote, you know, all the way through, uh, you know, 366 days uh, uh, later. Um, so that, that was kind of the probably more detail than your listeners wanted, but that was the process. No, I, I think that's actually the perfect amount of details because I think getting inside somebody's brain and understanding how they operate, I think is probably one of the most valuable things that you could do. And you kind of do that with your book. You want people to get inside the brains of other people, these 19th century, um, you know, artists, so to yeah. speak. Yep. And I'm sure that there's some type of parallel between the 19th century uh, that was written in the 19th centuries versus today, right? Yeah, yeah, no question. I mean, I was always, uh, it, uh, it, you know, it would stop me every now and then. I would read something and think, you know, how was that written 150 years ago? Yeah, right. Uh, you know, because it was like, that is that is spot on relevant for right now, <laughs> right today. You know, there was something, um, it was actually a couple days ago. I'm, I'm going through now, you know, the book isn't out yet. So, you know, in, in my nervous uh you know, author sense I'm going through and reading every day myself now, you know, to, to stay in the practice. And a couple of days ago, um, I had written something about the, the, you know, the reading was, you know, just about how distracted we are and how many people, you know, want to get our attention. And, you know, it just sounded like uh, somebody, um, you know, somebody was talking about social media, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, uh, it was, uh, it was, uh, Henry David Thoreau writing about, uh, just, uh, the, the, the pace of commerce, you know, in 1850. That's interesting. That's <laughs> it, cool. I, 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 that must've been a really cool experience to be like, wow, this, this is totally about social media, but social media didn't even exist. Exactly. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Another fun thing about this was, uh, again, a, a lot of the titles, you know, Moby Dick, the adventures of, you know, Huckleberry Finn, uh, the Scarlet Letter, you know, Walden. I mean, I don't know about you, but I, you know, I was asked to read most of those in, in yeah. high school and college and, and, and I, you know, I did so I could take a test. Reading them this way <laughs> and applying them to the um, context of an entrepreneur was such a, a cool experience because it just it made the books mean something completely different to me. Yeah. 
I mean, the, the person that I'll speak for myself, the person that I was in high school, college, reading those types of stuff versus the person that I am today, I think I'd have a far more greater appreciation of what was actually said because it means so much more. Yeah. It's, it's, this is my livelihood now. This is yeah. your livelihood now. And, and, and our mindset depends on it. Yeah. Um, and how many times have you gone back and read, uh, reread a book? Uh, to, I mean, in, in a business book, even I've done it before, you know, and, and I read it and I got some good ideas and then I go back and reread it and I go, wow, when did they put that in? You know, yeah, I totally absolutely. missed that part, you know, because we're different people a year later. And, and, yeah. you know, that's, what's kind of cool about, you know, this book, this is not a read through it one year. I mean, I guarantee you, if you get this book and you read through yep. it on December 31st, when you flip over to January 1st, uh, that page is going to be so different to you because you're going to be a different person. Absolutely. And even if you read the book uh, once a day for as long as you can, or if you, you know, jam pack it in, in, in as much, you can randomly just go through a page, yeah. I'm sure, and just open up to whatever that, that page is that you stumble across, read it, and I'm sure it's going to have relevancy for, for you in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's the hope, you know, because we're also, you know, busy doing stuff and, you know, I don't know about you, but I've, you know, I've always got a pile of books that I'm meaning totally. to get to. And, um, and so having something, you just go, eh, I'm going to pick that up today. Uh, uh-huh. It's kind of nice. Absolutely. As we, as we wind down the conversation, um, I, I just want to hear as I've, seen you speak in Boston, I think, uh, maybe two, three, uh, three, four years ago now, where I originally um, heard about the world of duct tape marketing. Then I started reading the blog uh, that you've created for many years. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I finally have you on the podcast. It's an absolute honor to have you. So thank you. Um, I'd be remiss okay. to at least not ask at least some related marketing question. Yeah. <laughs> um, if in a world of, of just you know, books in a world of marketing, is there anything that has consistently worked well for you in order to get your brand, to get your message, to get your, your uh, services out into the general public? Yeah, I, I would say, and again, a lot of times the answers to questions like that are in hindsight, you know, you didn't necessarily go in going, this is what I'm going to do. Um, but I think, I think just whenever Whenever I lose my authenticity, whenever I'm not genuine, whenever I'm not just me, you know, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, puff myself up or I'm trying to be more marketing or I'm trying to sell. (laughs) um, I, you know, I lose my effectiveness, but Mm -hmm. when I'm just out there telling people, here's what I do, here's what I think, here's why it works. Here's why I care about it. You know, here's who I am. I'm just, you know, a guy that grew up in the Midwestern, uh, you know, city and uh, still drive a 10 year old mini Cooper uh, S just because (laughs) that's who I am. You know, that's when people connect. And I think that, you know, that's just me, but I think the idea of, you know, people are going to connect with, with who you are and what you have to bring and, you know, your unique value, you know, stop trying to copy people. You know, there's only one Gary V he's already taken, you know, Mm -hmm. stop trying to, you know, copy whoever it is, the guru that, you know, you read last week and just be yourself. Love it. Very cool. And if people wanted to buy the book, um, at, at the time of this recording, it'll actually be out. Um, so if people wanted to buy the book, if people wanted to, uh, uh, sorry, not the time of the, rec- on the time of recording is not out at the time of it being published, it will be out. <laughs> okay. But if people wanted to buy, uh, the book, if people wanted to partake in your journey, follow your journey, how can sure. they do that? 
Sure. So the, the books will be available pretty much anywhere. And, and um, I don't think at release date, the audio book will be finished, but you know, it'll be all the other formats. Uh, you'll be able to buy it on any of the booksellers and uh, hopefully in, in a lot of the physical uh, and independent bookstores as well. Um, you can find out, uh, you know, if you want to read a little more about it, it's just selfreliententrepreneur.com. And I know that's a hard uh, it was hard for me to spell a million times, um, but, but uh, um, selfreliententrepreneur.com. And if you get close to it, I'm sure it'll uh, Google will say, oh, do you mean John's book? Um, so uh, you can do that if you want to um, see some samples. And uh, I've actually got a, a couple readings like we did today that I've done as, as, uh, as sample audio as well. So lots you can find there. Very cool. And all the links will be in the show notes. So you can go ahead, buy the book directly, learn more if you're interested uh, and follow John along the way. John, thank you so much for your time. And again, it was an absolute honor to have you on the show. Oh, thanks, Jonathan. It's my pleasure. You've been listening to Blind Entrepreneurship brought to you by Penji. Our guest this week was John Jantz. Um, as stated in, in the very beginning, I've been following John's work for years now. Saw him in Boston. Um, the first time I really uh, was able to get a hold of his 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 work live and in person. Been reading the Duct Tape Marketing blog for years. Probably one of the first blogs I started started reading early on in my entrepreneur career. So it was really really amazing to not only have met him now, um, you know, on more than one occasion, especially in his home his home state, um, but also be able to have him on the podcast. So John, if you're still listening, and I wouldn't if I were you. But if you're still listening, thank you again. Truly, truly appreciate it. Um, if you liked today's episode, it would mean the absolute world if you could share this episode with a friend. It's the only way that we can cure blindness in business. You can head over. Uh, if you'd like to learn more about John and his work, you could head over to ducttapemarketing.com forward slash the self-reliant entrepreneur. Um, you can go ahead and also just Google the self-reliant entrepreneur. Um, that's going to be able to take you where you want to go as well. Um, or if you just type in John Janst, uh, that's going to be able to take you where it is. If you go on Amazon, you can also search for the self-reliant entrepreneur, 366 daily meditations to feed your soul and grow your business. Um, all of these links will be in the show notes. So if you don't remember, it's cool. Just open up the uh, podcasting app of your choice and uh, click around. Go out there and execute your vision, everybody. Have a great rest of your day.